I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science has changed. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. It is time to take Brexit down. This candle smells like my vagina. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Still. Welcome to my new podcast, where in each episode, I'm going to be asking, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? What about this? It turns out the Prime Minister, called Matt Hancock, completely fucking hopeless. A year ago, and somehow he's still in his job. And what other job are you kept on when everyone knows, including your boss, that you're completely fucking hopeless? Imagine if you were a lollipop lady and the school authorities went... Well, she's completely fucking hopeless. I mean, yesterday she led the kids into the middle of the M6 by Stafford Services. But uh, anyway, never mind. Let's let's keep her on for another year. If you were a lion tamer, would the owner of the circus go, I mean, he's completely fucking hopeless. He annoys the lion instead of taming it. I mean, last night he got so angry, right? He's hit three people in the front row, the bearded lady. Then it's chewed through the guy rope and the marquee collapsed, suffocated another 50. He still has my full confidence. Other people might have decided if you were entering the worst health crisis since 1920 with a bloke in charge who you regarded as completely fucking hopeless, you could consider replacing him. But luckily, our Prime Minister sticks by his mates, so at least Matt Hancock isn't made to feel awkward. And that's the main thing. And even when he does leave, you know he's going to go for a job on some board and they'll ask him, do you have a reference? And he'll say, "Uh, yes, I've got it here. My previous boss, the Prime Minister, said I was completely fucking hopeless. And they'll say, good, you've got the job. You start on £80 million a year. And this is from Boris Johnson, who's just put his own Freedom Day thing back another four weeks. But when he announced that this time the restrictions will end absolutely, utterly, definitely on on July the 19th, I wonder if a single person in Britain thought, oh, that means the restrictions are going to end on July the 19th. Now... I held a poll on Twitter asking my followers what they thought the most likely date the restrictions would end after he said they would definitely end on July the 19th. 13.6% said they believed they would end on Christmas Day and 80.4% said they were more likely to end on a day that hasn't been invented yet that he makes up, like Pondium 235. No one knows what the rules are now. You hear all these changes like... attend a sword fight but only if you travel by jet ski and ministers come on the radio to explain uh, gatherings of more than six people indoors are not permitted though if someone has been fully vaccinated they are allowed to use your toilet but they won't be able to flush until july the 19th Music festivals aren't allowed, but the tennis can be at full capacity. So organisers will probably get round this by organising a heavy metal weekend at Wimbledon with napalm death shrieking on centre court. Or Boris Johnson says the maximum number allowed in a room at any one time is, uh, is naught. So if you find yourself in a room... You must leave 
immediately. And there have been so many changes to wedding regulations. There must be hundreds of people in Britain now who don't know if they're married or not. And every time the rules are changed, the government announces this is because something completely unpredictable has happened that no one could possibly have anticipated, such as the realisation that if people who haven't been vaccinated mix together closely, the virus might spread. And you can't blame them because the idea that a disease spreads more quickly if everyone squeezes up together is a completely new concept. It's as recent as the 14th century when the authorities learnt to keep people isolated for a while if they had the plague. So with only 700 years of data at their disposal, it's far too early to come to any conclusions. So what I really want to know is... Who else has Boris Johnson been slagging off on WhatsApp? I expect in a few days, more of his messages will have been disclosed and he'll issue a statement, I have complete faith in Pretty Patel, despite having called her a fucking unbelievably sociopathic fruit bat, and I am delighted to work alongside Michael Gove, regardless of the fact I described him as an unfathomably fucking oleaginously slightly amoral sleazebag of hitherto incalculable, monstrous and implausibly sickening proportions, or as my old Latin master put it, Cuntius Maximus. What the fuck is going on? Now, to help me find out what the fuck is going on, it is an enormous pleasure to welcome writer, comic, actress and fellow resident of Crystal Palace, <laughs> Izzy Suti. Izzy, first of all, what the fuck is going on with this GB News Channel thing that started this week, which I gather you have been looking at a little bit? I have been looking. Well, do you know what? I actually haven't looked at the news channel itself. I've looked at the Twitter account, which captures... I think it's called GB News Fails. Oh, right. And it's given me so much joy. Right. Because I have a real... I don't know if you do this as well, but I absolutely love kind of car crash telly. Like, I love... Yes. Like, when things go wrong or when there's low production values. And it's just the gift that keeps on giving. Like, there are so many amazing clips of them starting to introduce someone and then they're just being static noise or, like, everything echoing so much that no one knows who's supposed to be talking and then they're going to a break then they're not going to a break. And, I mean, and I think I won't be able to do much better with, like, I don't know what's going on, but... Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I I love it. I just love seeing these clips. Do you think there's going to be it's going to be a huge success and it's going to get like thirty million viewers, and they'll be hugely successful? Yeah, well, I wonder if you know, like in that way that when things are quite chaotic, sometimes they get this cult following. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. it might get lots of viewers, but perhaps not for the reason that it wants them. Like earlier, I was in a grumpy mood and I went upstairs and I said, I need 20 minutes on my own. And all I did was go on to GB News Fails and watch right, right, all these right. clips. And I was like, oh, I feel all right. I feel great. It's almost like having like a little happy pill or something. So I think I'm now going to go and watch the channel because there's so many clips on the Twitter feed. I think they must be happening like every 30 seconds. Yes. One morning when I was talking to the Sunday Mirror about the column that I do, the woman who sort of suggests ideas for us, she said, have you seen GB News? And I said, no. She said, well, put it on now because it's full of just stuff like you're saying. And I thought, oh, but it won't be, will it? At a random moment, I turned it on. And I turned it on and I swear this is the 
only 30 seconds of it I've seen. There was some poor reporter woman and she's at King's Cross and there's a massive caption that says Tartan Army invades London. And she said, so I'm here at King's Cross and there are just so many Scottish people and they're all coming down and here's a group of lads now. And she said, so you all here to support Scotland? And one of them went, well, we're English. <laughs> and she said, well, what, that, yeah, but uh, so you're not here to support Scotland? And they went, well, what are we going to do that for? We're all from London. And she said, you, 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 uh, King's Cross. She said, well, King's Cross London, isn't it? And she said, right, well, doesn't look like I found any Scottish fans here. <laughs> God. <laughs> and off they walked. And that was with Tartan Army invades London and this big caption. It was like a sketch. If You, you couldn't have done oh, it you better. you can't. I mean, I just think it's going to be very popular for the reasons it didn't expect to be. But they've spent millions which makes it even better yeah. and they're supposed to be promoting a sort of right-wing conservative point of view yes there's a bit where a guy's talking about the weather and they obviously just decide that no one wants to hear it's going to rain so they just go <laughs> to a break when he's in the middle of a sentence <laughs> what in the middle oi i'm in a fucking scattered shower do you know that was my favorite bit i've trained for this i'm a meteorologist <laughs> yeah Oh, it's, uh, brilliant. it's brilliant. It's almost like the errant child of a millionaire has been given a channel. Yes. Has just sort of been told that they can do what they want and have all the cameras and the lights. And I hope it doesn't find its feet. It's got to stay like this. This is part of its charm. Exactly. Good. So we know a bit more about what's going on. But do you know what's going on with this? I keep hearing from various people about this craze for wild swimming. Have you heard about this? Well, I've heard about it because Josie Long, who is friend of both of ours, yes. loves it. I have to say, she's done it for years. She sort of, she did it before it went electric, essentially. Right. She's been going on about it for years and trying to get me to go with her and trying to get me to walk to a station, get off at the eighth stop in the countryside, walk for 50 paces, lay down a blanket, then get up and swim in a river. But that kind of, I've sort of said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You said no? I said no. Do you know, I've been swimming in Hampstead Ladies Pond. Yeah. I've been swimming in that a few times. Is that why, what is, that is wild, isn't it? Because I thought wild is if it's not a swimming pool with chlorine in it. Well, it seems to me that wild, you can't go, (laughs) oh my God, I've been absolutely wild i've literally been like captain scott these people who row up the amazon through piranhas on a raft made of lego they don't know anything about being wild because i went up to hampstead got a flat white on the way and (laughs) yeah but i had to risk putting my coffee down while i paddled and got three toes wet that's not wild but it's still different from going in I don't know. So what would you consider wild sort of going into like a river maybe and thinking, oh, you know, is is a boat going to come along in a minute and say, what are you doing in the river? Is it more kind of yeah, like... Yeah, that's wild. Right, OK. Swimming the width of Newcastle through the sewers Yeah, well, that wild. is... That is wild. I mean, I don't know if even Joseph Swimming would do that. around the coast of Scotland naked with a St George's Cross tattooed on your bare ass as it bobbles out the water. That's wild. Not having a paddle in the in a paddling pool in your garden. Well, there's something... I think you probably push yourself more and more each time. With the wild swimming, you probably go, oh, that isn't wild enough now. I need it to be wilder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit, you know, in the same way that you start off with just a little bit of crack. 
yes. and end up stealing your mum's furniture yeah. to pay for it. The yeah. same thing. We start. I started off in Hampstead, and I've <laughs> I've ended up walking the length of the Zambezi. Yeah, but next time I see you in the sewers in Newcastle, I'll know. Yes. I'll know the reasoning behind it. So, now, one more thing I have to ask you, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I don't know if you if you uh, have an opinion on this, but, you know, I follow the football. I've been following the Euros avidly. But I was listening to the phone-in after the England-Scotland game, which I seem to be in a minority because I enjoyed it, even though it was nil-nil and... Uh, and I couldn't believe how angry the fans were on this phone. In. Oh, God, I'm sick of it, Southgate. There. And I thought, what makes them so angry? So I want a female perspective on this. Not, I'm not saying that women don't play football because that's the most exciting bit of football, in my view, is the growth of the women's game. But what makes them so angry? Well, so I, as people may know, my partner, Ellis James, is probably the biggest football fan in Crystal Palace, do you think? Joint with you, maybe. I know you really like mm. it. But he's obsessed with football. And um, I'm, like, so oblivious to it. It's like, you know, like, I won't notice what colour walls are. You know, some people walk into houses and they're like, oh, look at these oh, yeah, no, subtle... Like yeah, me too. I wouldn't even I don't know the colour of my own wall. No, nor do I, Mark. I barely know the colour of my own door. I like to think that makes us very creative. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know what the truth is. But so I'm like that with football. I don't really notice when it's on. And my dad really liked football. My mum loves it. So I don't know. But I think maybe when the kids are on, I'll take more of an interest. So I'm coming at this from a sort of, I suppose, a psychology point of view yes. rather than anything else having you know lived with Ellis for 10 years and also my exes all of them loved football I think especially now because of the pandemic people really want to kind of cling to hope and to watch something and to feel part of something they want a bit of joy so I think that's probably exaggerating their reaction when they don't get the result they want as you say a draw isn't necessarily bad but i just i think it's exacerbated by what's happened the past year it must be are they would you think people would normally would they normally be that angry like say five years yes. ago would they i think they might be and i think i've just forgotten yeah because they were so angry and it was all technical what they were saying but of course it's rubbish i don't know the technicalities nor do these people what was he doing Southgate playing three at the back with a wing back moving over when he and then the presenters going, well, I don't think they could have done that because then that would have counted. And I thought what he really needs to say is, can you tell me the real reason you're angry? Yeah. I don't think you were hugged by your father, yeah. were you? Did you buy margarine when you should have bought butter and it's caused a big <laughs> argument and you can't let it go and it was five days ago? No, I know. That'd be brilliant if Robbie Savage was one of the presenters, if he started saying that. Oh, I'd love it, like the real football show. I love yeah. it on talk radio when I don't understand any of it, but to me it's all like, yeah, he's really trying this season and he just needs to get a few more goals behind him and then he's going to... I don't understand any of it. That's like the good bit and then when they're criticising it's like no matter what he does he can't play in the right and I'm like it just all sounds kind of like a foreign language to me but I can identify whether people are angry or happy when I listen to it and I do think that it has to do with what else is going on in people's lives. I think yeah. the anger I don't think if you're generally happy that you would ring up that angry. You're never going to hear a phone in where someone goes he's got to go I'm sick of it we've lost two games in a row I've had enough 
And the presenter will go, thank you, that was the Dalai Lama. Yes, That's exactly. not going to happen, is it? He's going back now to help people <laughs> and meditate. No, absolutely. My brother-in-law's Scottish, and I'm half Scottish as well, so I always find it interesting when England plays Scotland because I feel kind of literally torn. So, my yeah, my, my sister's boyfriend's Scottish, and he said to the, the barmaid in their local pub, because there were always mates staying from Scotland to watch the game, he said, can we come in at midnight for a pint after the Scotland game? And she said, only if you've lost. <laughs> which I thought was a great answer. (laughs) Thank you very much, Izzy. That's taken us a huge step towards finding out what the fuck is going on. Now, one person who I didn't expect to hear talking about the football as a pundit was George Galloway. Let me put it to you, North Macedonia, whose back four represents the defence of a nation whose historic magisterial omnipotence which emanates from the commander Alexander the Great's voluptuous cornucopia of military and scientific achievement. You have succumbed with supine viscosity that serves only to encapsulate your centre-half's treacherous lethargy and wretched enfeeblement. That! Not Macedonia is way you are 3-1 down to Austria. I've not really taken any notice of these anti-vaccination people until this week when Christian Eriksen the footballer collapsed and everyone watching was going, oh my God. This is horrible. I hope he's okay. But then the anti-vaxxers started saying it was the vaccine that did that. And of course he hadn't even had the vaccine. Yes, but that doesn't matter. The vaccine still caused it, even though he hadn't had it. Vaccines cause earthquakes and wasps and roadworks and solar flares and they make people ride e-scooters on pavements and it's what turned Gary Glitter into a paedophile. It's true, because it was on the internet and Jim Davison said it and he's a doctor. That Lawrence Fox bloke tweeted the other day, There is no need to vaccinate the healthy. Well, who should you vaccinate then? The dead? I expect he says, There is no need to wear a condom when someone isn't pregnant. You wait until they're about to give birth and then put one on. It's like this old bloke that I met in a shop right at the start of the first lockdown and he said, Well, I'm 82 and I'm still going to go into town every day. There's nothing wrong with me. And I thought, yes, good, but it does suggest there is something about the nature of disease that you haven't quite grasped, which is that you are generally fine with a disease right up until the point when you get it. There is very few diseases that are so bad that they make you sick before you get the disease. Even the Great Plague of 1591 didn't kill a single person in 1590. But you get loads of these people. I don't trust this vaccine. What's in it? And these are the same people who are quite happy to eat a kebab from a van by the A2 or buy a bag of coke off a random stranger in a corner of a pub and happily shove it up their nose or who drink water that's come through pipes that have been there since Queen Victoria. You don't ask that about anything else. It's like they've turned into Descartes, these people, questioning everything. How can we be certain that the vaccine is really a vaccine and not, for example, a spaghetti carbonara? 
And then there are the people who think that Bill Gates puts microchips in the vaccine so he can control your brain. And I can't help thinking, well, if that's the way your brain works at the moment, then if there is a microchip going in there, good, because your brain needs taking over, you twat. To be fair, my mum, who's in her 90s, had the vaccine, and for a couple of hours she was fine, just a bit of a sore arm. But then in the evening, she did go knocking door to door, selling Microsoft Word packages for 79.99. Now, I loved having my jab. It was the most social thing I'd done for four months. But who should get the credit for developing these vaccines? Now, some people, including Boris Johnson, have said that the success of the vaccine is because of capitalism. But the development of the vaccines was made possible because of billions of pounds of public funding for research and tax money that was used to buy supplies and then take all the risk for the companies out of producing them. The scientists who get all excited about creating the vaccine, they're not motivated by profit. Once profit is the main incentive for drugs companies, you get this sort of thing, as David White of the University of Liverpool pointed out. In April 2018, a report by Goldman Sachs analysts proposed that providing a one-shot cure for diseases could never be a sustainable business model. In the report, it talks about the possibility of gene therapy eradicating diseases, and it says... While this carries tremendous value for patients and society, it could represent a challenge for medicine developers looking for sustained cash flow. So what they're saying there is... Eradicating diseases is fine if you're interested in eradicating diseases, but it's not much of a business plan, is it? When it comes to certain diseases, the report takes a slightly softer line on the idea of curing it. Where an incident pool remains stable, for example in cancer, the potential for a cure poses less risk to the sustainability of a franchise. So, there you go. What they're saying is, if you must find a cure for cancer, well, all right, because at least people will carry on getting it. But if you really want to do something useful, instead of curing cancer, you should be finding a way to make it spread. I'd love to see these people on Dragon's Den. Hello. Um, yes, uh, well, well, I'm looking for an investment in my product. It, it really is quite an incredible breakthrough. OK, uh, tell us all about it. Well, well, yeah, what can I say? It's a, it's a one-dose cure for COVID, one shot, and you, you're guaranteed you won't ever get it again. Right. Well, look, I mean, I think what you're doing is great. I mean, everyone who's got coronavirus will, will want to take it. I can see that. Uh, so your year one profits will be good. But I mean, if you've got a product that cures COVID, well, then everyone's going to be cured, aren't they? I mean, who's going to want to buy your cure then? <laughs> Already be cured. You've, you've not thought it through, have you? I mean, I, I wish you all, all the best with this, but... Um, this isn't the business. You're an idiot. I'm out. Now, here's something that I keep hearing over the last couple of weeks. Every time I go into a cafe, I hear somebody saying this. Well, it's all very worrying about a million people dying a minute in India, but Colin and I were supposed to be going to Tunisia on Tuesday and now it's been taken off the purple list, which is so unfair, as now we have to pay for a test before we go so we don't affect the locals. They think they'd be glad to have us there to hear our wonderful anecdote about how Wicks delivered the wrong tiles for our kitchen. So we looked on the website, as Richard Maidley told us to, on Good Morning Britain, and it said we could go, as long as we lived for three days in a fridge before we went. But now, with no warning whatsoever, it's gone onto the turquoise list. 
So we have to quarantine for 25 minutes in a four-star hotel when we get back. But Colin can't do that because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of Rygate. And we so deserve a break because we've had a lot of stress when we furloughed the cleaner. And then she went back to Albania because everyone in her village caught COVID, which was so selfish after all we'd done for her. And then we had all that trouble with Nectarine and her anxiety about wearing masks at school. The most annoying thing is we booked it three months ago, but the travel agent didn't tell us that the pandemic might not be finished. And then Boris Johnson explained everything very clearly when he pronounced, you will be permitted to travel to countries such as Portugal, with the exception of Portugal. So we thought about going to Cornwall. And my friend Tara from the spin class booked a weekend break in Gaza, but while she was there, the government put it on the ultraviolet list, so she stuck there and had to isolate in a bubble with a military commander of Hamas. I contacted their foreign office to suggest the army invaded the hotel we're staying at, because if we annexed it and made it part of Surrey, technically... We wouldn't be travelling abroad, but I haven't heard back, which is typical. Then, to add insult to injury, we watched a programme about the pandemic and they went on and on and on about how hard it's been for nurses and care homes and places in Brazil where the entire town's conked out. But there wasn't a mention about us and how we deserve a couple of weeks by the swimming pool while a peasant brings us margaritas on a tray. And I, I can't believe these countries that don't let us in unless we have a test with that ghastly stick up your nose so they can just make sure we don't kill them all. But that's the trouble with this world, isn't it? It's just me, me, me with some people. Excuse me. Are you sure there's a soy milk in my latte? What the fuck is going on? Now, you cannot work out what the fuck is going on without enlisting the help of the younger generation. And luckily, I've bred one. So, Elliot Steele, what the fuck is going on? Your generation, you are the only people that haven't been vaccinated and yet it's all the things that you go to that aren't being opened up. It's not really fair, is it? What the fuck more do you need of your generation? <laughs> like, how much more shit do we have to give you? You didn't fight the war. The only war some of you fought was the Falklands, which I don't know where that is. It sounds shit. It's windy there, I hear. So like, at least the people of my generation who died in Iraq, there was a bit of sun and sand. You haven't given us anything. You crashed the housing market. You ate all of the fish. How did you do that? <laughs> Literally, all they do is recreate other fish. How do you physically do that? I can't get vaccinated yet because you've taken all of the vaccines. <laughs> I have nothing. I'm at a party right now. I'm meant to be watching Portugal, Germany. I can't even do that because I need to do your fucking podcast. What more do you want from me? What more do I have to get? Do I have? I, Dad, I will give you a kidney. If you just leave us, uh, uh, my generation, just leave us alone. Just let us live. We're trying to go out and make our mistakes. And you lot are there going, now you're spending all the money on avocados. And that's why you can't afford a house. How does this cost £70 billion? Pounds? What, do you, what, what do you want from us? What the fuck is going on? What do you want from us? Yes. Thank you for that. The first answer to, on tonight's question time. <laughs> <laughs> and now Keir Starmer. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. I've done, I've done think it's entirely my personal fault other than the podcast bit. It's not your personal fault. There has been no more entitled generation than 
whatever your generation's thought. Well, I agree with you. I think terrible people. Literally everyone went, right, you know, oil's a finite resource. And you're not like, oh, yeah, but I like the noise it makes in my car. And now we're, now everyone's like, oh, right, okay. So look, the Saudis are having to launder money into football clubs because they've now realised it's a finite resource. So the game you love is going to go as well. So anything that your generation enjoys is going to die. That is my future. You all thought you were going to be on Mars and in space cars. What What have we got? I can't even go to a nightclub. No, you can't go to a nightclub because they're the only things that have not been opened up yet. And they're all of the things that are full of people that are going to be your age. And so you're just all going to give each other the virus. And we'll live. Do you know why? Because we're not 70 and we're not obese. <laughs> like, what more? If you are 25 and you die of COVID, you're going to die of anything then. You can't, it's, what more is there? I can't, I, 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 you, you guys don't even wear masks. Do you think this could end up in a war between people over and under 25? I think you would win that war because we'd be too distracted on our phones to be fair. <laughs> they would be able to creep up on us and kill us all. We'd be like, well, oh, no, how did they take out our whole platoon? Oh, they were doing a dance to try to go viral. And uh, all the baby boomers did, <laughs> took them out. Then we're going, all right. Well, did you get it on film? Yeah, all right. We'll actually get a few bits. Then. That'll be our generation. <laughs> All right, thank you very much from the youth correspondent. I've got one other question to ask you. Well, it comes in two parts. Where's the remote and where's your keys? All right, well, th those are two very, very good questions. Uh, uh, I suppose they're the kind of questions where it's like, where's Lord Lucan? You know, we're all wondering these things in life. I think of the three missing objects, Lord Lucan is probably going to turn up first. Because <laughs> I've looked all over the fucking house. And unlike you, I'm not going to be able to see the second half of Portugal versus Poxy bloody Germany because I can't get the fucking telly on because the fucking remote's gone missing. <laughs> what about your keys? Where are they? I don't really think this is a conversation for the podcast. I think this is... It is a conversation for the podcast. I think this is more a dispute we should be having at home. It's not a dispute. I mean, have we not got any keys between us? You had those other keys. Well, I lost mine and then you lost yours. I'm your son. I'm your fuck up. I'm not... This is your fault. <laughs> oh, no. We've got no keys. What are we going to do? I'll just leave the back door open. Okay, thank you very much, Elliot Steele, for explaining to us there's even more things that we have no idea what the fuck is going on than we thought. The podcast could be called Where the Fuck Are My Keys? That's what it should be called. <laughs> Where the fuck are my keys? What the fuck is going on? Thanks very much for listening to the first podcast of What the Fuck is Going On. If there is anything at all that you would like me to have a look at to see what the fuck is going on with it, then please send me a message on Twitter at Mr. Mark Steele, and we will do our best to look at all the messages that you send. What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Izzy Sooty and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinovich and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. Produced and edited by Matt Lamont. What the Fuck is Going On is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries.